0: Welcome to the Indie Dev Life podcast, a show about the ins and outs of independent software development. My name is Brian and I am an independent developer. Before we get started, I do have a quick update about my book, Going Indie, A Complete Guide to Becoming an Independent Software Developer. The book is now available for pre-order on Apple Books. The book should roll out to Amazon in both print and digital formats in the coming weeks, and it will be available for pre-order there as well as on barnesandnoble.com and many other online book retailers. If you're interested in getting a copy of Going Indie, I strongly encourage you to pre-order the book wherever you can. For complicated reasons, the pre-orders of a book have a disproportionate impact on the well-being of the sales of the book, and they count more towards rankings than sales made after the launch date. So if you are interested, please consider pre-ordering the book. It will really help out a lot. For our topic today, I wanted to discuss the prospect of starting a new app or service. Primarily because... I am actually starting a new app. Well, by starting a new app, I mean I've started a project for an app I've wanted to build for years. I'm not sure if this is the case with every independent developer or every developer in general, but over the years, I've had lots of ideas for apps and services, and I kind of put them in a list and get to them when I can. That was the case with d20.photos and 9.9s. I had the ideas for both of those years ago, but I don't tend to work on projects unless I have some time in my schedule And, of course, I have to have a domain name. I really don't start anything until I have that. That said, I've had the domain name and actually a template website up for this app for a long time. The app is going to be iOS only and actually will not have a web component. I don't want to go into too much specifics about the app just yet. There will be an open beta when it comes out. So if you are interested in checking out this new app, there will be ample time for you to do so very early in the development process. As part of this episode, I wanted to dive into how I normally go about starting apps and projects like this. As I said, I had the idea for this app years ago, and almost immediately when I had the idea, I spent a weekend slapping together a proof-of-concept app. I didn't really know much about iOS development at the time, and so the app was incredibly rough. But the idea was just to see, could this be done? Was the data there? And How would it work? Would it be useful? And I released a beta on test flight to a couple friends and family just to kind of get the feel. The app was incredibly buggy. It barely worked. It was a single screen or two screens, but the idea was there. Overall, it had a lot of potential, I thought, but I never quite had the bandwidth to keep going with it. And I knew that no matter what I did, I would have to throw away this initial proof of concept. Now, that only took a couple days to build originally, so it wasn't that big of a deal. After that, I started building Pine.blog, and we were working heavily on Adventurer's Codex, so it kind of just stayed there. I had a domain name, but the project just kind of sat both the website and the app, just in a directory on my Mac. Recently, though, I've had a little bit of free time while I've been waiting for the book process to wrap up and complete, and while I am working on a release of Pine.blog for the iOS app, a lot of that is fairly minor. Over the years, though, I have built up a substantial internal framework that I use for Pine.blog's iOS app. The framework basically handles doing really complex multitasking in a way that's a lot harder to screw up than things like Grand Central Dispatch, which is Apple's baseline multitasking API. GCD is really great, but I've really found that doing anything super complicated can get, or even mildly complicated, can get really finicky. And you often have to wrap your code in lots of layers of safety just to make sure that things are happening in the order you want them to, and things aren't being called on background threads when they shouldn't be. And that's actually one of the problems that I found with my original implementation of this app that I was building. I was doing it all with GCD. And so over the years of building the Pine.Blog iOS app, I have really tried to build up that multitasking layer, whether it's doing API calls in the background, where you can do like five API calls in parallel, or whether it's handling user interactions or anything like that. Apple actually has a really powerful framework internally for doing that uh, using NSOperation and NSOperationQ, both things that I've written blog posts about. And the bare classes for that are powerful, but also really primitive, in my opinion. They do everything I want them to, but they aren't specific enough to be useful. So I've built a bunch of layers on top of them for handling things like API calls and handling the paradigms that I tend to want. So I have tasks, for example, for making API calls to performing UI operations, to handling background processes, to serializing and deserializing model objects, all things that you need in a modern application that connects to the web and deals with APIs. A couple weeks ago, I started to decouple that framework from the pine.blog app at this point it had just lived inside of the app and it was fairly coupled to the system as a whole i removed most of that and actually moved it into its own xcode project and now i can use it as a framework as an external framework which left the door open to build other apps using the same framework honestly not having this task library was one of the biggest blockers for me when dealing with or when starting up a new app it's one of the reasons why even in like a free weekend, I didn't start building this app sooner. This to me is kind of an example of some of the things I was talking about in episode two, where as you build things as an indie dev or as a developer in general, if you carry those things with you, those projects, those sample codes, those snippets, those tools, those frameworks, those libraries, every next project is easier if you don't change you know, tech stacks. Obviously, if you switch languages or switch major frameworks, that all goes out the window. But if you stick with the same set of general tooling, you can make your own life easier as you go. And it's also just one of the things that building this app would be a lot harder if I didn't have that tooling already. But it took me a couple hours to abstract this background task processing library that I had built. And it took me all of 20 minutes to get a basic implementation of it working in the new sample app I was building. And that just means that doing anything from user interactions to background tasks to API calls was just immediately easier, and I got off the ground running like incredibly quickly. But it's also something that didn't happen for a long time. That task processing library has existed for years in Pine.blog, but it was only last week or the week before when I actually abstracted it. And now I can use it in all kinds of things, and I've actually started Another small app that I have literally just clicked new project on and done nothing else for an app for 9.9s. I've really wanted an app, a native app for 9.9s for a while. And now that I have all this background processing library and that processing library actually comes with a set of view controllers and UI components that are automatically coupled in to paginated API lists, it'll make doing the 9.9s app pretty easy which is also not a thing that a new indie dev would have. And so if you are just starting out, it's really important to recognize that you don't have those tools just yet. But if you take time over the long buildup, you will. I decided to go... When it comes to the tooling for this new app, I've been really conflicted lately. I don't really want to build native apps anymore that are solely tied to iOS. I've been an iPhone user for over 10 years, and I really like my iPhone. But big tech, especially Apple and Google and those companies, are starting to really irk me, and I didn't want to be tied too much to one specific platform, especially with all of the hubbub going on right now with Apple and Hey or Apple and Fortnite and, you know, Apple exerting its power and throwing its weight around. And I've had minor issues with App Review before. Nothing major, but it's just a constant reminder to me that I am beholden to them. To Apple for my entire business in a lot of ways. And so I've been really looking into how I could use other tooling to get a cross platform app. I looked into React Native and Vue Native as alternatives to building things in Swift. I've been writing Swift for years and I really like the language, and it would be a shame to leave it behind. I don't particularly care for JavaScript, so it would be a bit of a downgrade there, but the ability to instantly port to Android if I needed to would be great. I also have a lot of friends who would like to use some of my apps, and it would be great if I could actually give them an Android version without having to learn how Android's version of Java works and how their frameworks work. That said, when given the choice of depending solely on Apple or solely on Facebook, since they make React and React Native, I couldn't do it. I couldn't choose React Native. I couldn't add Facebook to my supply chain in that way. I just I don't trust Facebook React is great. I've used React many, many times um, in client projects for other things and at previous jobs. I think it's a really interesting take on building websites, but I don't use it in my personal projects or projects for Skyrocket software, mostly because I just don't want to give any more exposure to Facebook. I looked at Vue Native. Vue is a library that's very similar to some tooling I've used before, and I'd never used it before, but I wanted to check it out. But it turns out that Vue Native just uses the engine under the hood that React Native uses. And actually, when Vue Native doesn't have an answer to something, it says import React Native and use that. So even switching to Vue Native was not a way to cut Facebook out of the process. And while I would really enjoy the ability to deploy to multiple places, I couldn't get out of my head the idea that I would be depending solely on Facebook now to handle that intermediary step between me and Apple. And I don't know it's complicated but i just i didn't want to i didn't want to add them any further i didn't want to give them any further grip into my business i mentioned this in going india a little bit but we don't often think of supply chains in software uh almost everything is obviously digital but whenever you import a framework or you add a library to your projects that's part of your supply chain you're implicitly trusting that developer or those developers and while we don't usually have the same labor problems that, we, that physical supply chains do, like uh, clothing manufacturers finding out that there are factories employing child labor, we don't usually have that problem, but unethical practices or you know monopolistic practices or encouraging big businesses like Facebook and Apple and Google, they happen whenever you import code, whenever you use Facebook, whenever you import React. Um, and those decisions? Matter. They make a difference into what kinds of systems you build and the ecosystem you're encouraging. Anyway, enough about Facebook and Apple and portability. For this app, I decided it doesn't actually have much of a web backend. It does connect to an open data service. Uh, It actually connects to Wikipedia and Wikidata, which, by the way, if you haven't played with Wikidata, it is really great. It has a Interactive API and Sparkle endpoint that you can query. It's really, really cool. But I don't have to run any servers on my end. And so while there is a little bit of user data I want to store, I'm actually going to end up going with CloudKit probably to do all of that, which I know is coupling myself even further to Apple. But at this point, it would be adding a couple data points to their iCloud storage, not anything major and not anything that's like, business critical. Pulling from Wikidata and Wikipedia was actually the secret sauce that I tried in the proof of concept. Knowing that I could pull down the data I needed and merge the data the way I wanted and that it was relatively useful was basically the secret sauce that I made. After that, it's just putting a UI on it and making everything function properly. A lot of times, that's actually how I approach building new ideas or new apps. I don't usually start with the interface, I start with whatever the secret sauce is. What is the the cool thing that this app is going to allow you to do, build that in whatever really terrible hacky way you can do, prove that it works, play around with it on a sample app on your phone, and then decide, do I want to keep going with this? Is this worth continuing? And some projects are worth continuing, but they take a while. As I said, this project has been sitting on the back burner for a long time. I will announce it when it gets into its open beta phase, or slightly before, which should be fairly soon. The app is very simple. But I've really found that that kind of strategy works well for new projects. That said, if you're anything like me, you'll have more projects you want to build than time you'll ever have. So I I like to keep a list of the projects I have. And they kind of fall into three tiers. The lowest tier is, oh, I thought of this project. It's kind of cool. Write a couple sentences in a notepad somewhere or in iOS notes about the idea, what it would do. That tier might also have some, like, paper sketches. I do a lot of paper sketches of UI. The second tier is I have bought the domain name and I have a name for it. That's actually the only criteria that putting a couple bucks behind your idea for some reason for me really triggers it like, oh, this is, this might actually be real because I'm spending $2 a year on a domain name and I have a real name for it. And it starts to kind of take shape in your head when you have a name for it. And then the third tier is you're actually working on it. This project has been in tier two for a very long time, but it's important as you kind of go and you build up tooling for yourself to abstract that tooling out so that when you do want to do these projects, everything gets easier. Like if I had to build this entire app from scratch, the startup cost would be a lot harder. But because I had that task layer, because I had a couple of UI components, because I had some sample code I could copy over or import, it made everything so much easier and I had a sample app up and running with a UI in a brand new format within a couple hours, which was really great. Obviously, it's nowhere near shippable, but it was good to see that initial feedback loop of like, oh, I can do this. I can get this working. The other thing, frankly, that has helped a lot is iOS has come a long way since I first started building this app. I started building apps in 2010 and it was really rough. I kind of gave up on it. I was pretty new at programming and this was not a paradigm I knew very well. Came back to it in like 2014. It was better. That's when I started building other apps, other sample projects. 2017, I started building Pine, but it's shocking to me just how with that task library and with iOS 14, how easy it is to build a UI. I'm not even using Swift UI. I'm just doing it with storyboards. And it is so much easier now than it used to be. Granted, I also know a lot more. That's all for this week. Wanted to cover a little bit about how to start new projects, how to think about new projects, how to categorize them in your minds, and how to think about your supply chains when importing code or, or starting on a new platform. As always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, please consider giving it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot. And if you're interested, pre-order Going Indie on Apple Books, starting today. And the book should be out both in print and digital formats on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and other book retailers coming soon.